I've been telling you this for weeks, and I feel like I'll, I'll keep repeating this until Christ returns, but we're in the middle of a battle. It's called spiritual warfare. Everyone say spiritual warfare. It's happening all the time. Here's the crazy thing. It's happening without us being aware. It's happening without us even acknowledging its existence. It's happening because we have an enemy that isn't going to rest, sleep, nor slumber until he does everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy what God has for your life. But this is why I believe the Word of God is, is constantly letting us know spiritual warfare is happening, and we cannot be ignorant. We cannot be asleep. In, in a woke generation, can, can, I, can I speak to those of you who need to wake up spiritually? Yeah. Spiritual warfare is happening all around you, whether you want to acknowledge it or whether you are aware of it or not. And I want to show you how Jesus handled spiritual warfare. Because for most of us, Satan doesn't uh, appear in person. But, but Jesus had a, a, a head-on conflict with the enemy. And here's what happened. In, in, I'm going to read Luke's account of this. Luke chapter 4. I typically always preach Matthew's account. But here's Luke's account. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, he was full of the Holy Spirit because he was just baptized. And as he came up out of the water, a voice from heaven, the Father, is, is saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus. And so now here he is full of the Holy Spirit. And he re- as he returned from the Jordan River, here's what it says. He says he was led by that same spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and he became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, you are, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus answered, I, I love this, no. Here's what the scriptures say. People do not live by bread alone. Now, this is Luke's account. I'll repeat Matthew's account in just a second. But here's what happened after this temptation. This, so the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them. Basically, because they've been given to me. They're mine, and I can give them to anyone that I, I desire. Jesus, so he tells Jesus, I will give it all to you if you will just worship me. If you will just serve me. Wow, how many people have sold their soul to the devil for far less? I'll give it all to you if you would just worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angel to protect you and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But Jesus replied, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, check this out. I I like this, what Luke says. Luke says, he left him until the next opportunity came. So Satan leaves Jesus alone until there's another opportunity. Can I show you real quick when the next opportunity came? It's in the same chapter, Luke chapter 4. Right after Jesus preaches his first sermon. He takes the scroll from the book of Isaiah and he tells them, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. And Jesus reads from the scroll and he lets the people know, today these scriptures are being fulfilled in your hearing. But then he goes on to let them know, he didn't just, he didn't just come for the people who are going to reject him. He came for, for the Gentiles. And at this point, here's the, here's the next time Satan shows up. And, and it's so crazy the next time Satan shows up. It says it in Luke chapter 4, verse 28. It says, when they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. They got up and drove Jesus out of town and took him to the, uh, the brow of the hill on which the town was built 
in order to throw him off the cliff. Wow. Isn't it just like Satan? He, he, doesn't even, he doesn't even need to show up himself. He's got plenty of religious people that will do his work for him. And I guess, I guess I'm just, I want to say this to the new believers and to you willfully ignorant old believers. Satan never fights fair. He never fights fair. If I can, just for a few moments, allow me to kind of extrapolate from this text how Satan fights. Okay, first thing, if you're taking notes, just write this down. It says, I want you to know that Satan often attacks at the beginning. In the Garden of Eden, Eve was attacked right the, pretty much at the beginning of creation. When King David is finally anointed king, he comes under attack. The Bible tells us that when the Philistines actually heard that he was anointed king, at the very start of his reign, they, they come against him. At the very beginning. And we, we, we know that, that Stephen, the, the deacon in the New Testament church, according to the book of Acts, he was attacked and then stoned to death, killed at the very start of his deaconship. The apostle Paul, all the places that he went and preached, we, we know one place in particular in, uh, in Philippi. He was beaten and then thrown into prison at the very start of his ministry in Philippi. I want you to know the reason that Satan attacks you in the beginning is he's trying to dissuade you from continuing. If I, can, if, I can, if I can get you to rethink it in the beginning, maybe you won't continue doing what you've been doing. So let me attack you in the front. And, and most of us already know this, but spiritual conflicts are, are going to occur every time we start advancing into territory that is occupied by the enemy. Joshua starts advancing into the promised land, but it's occupied by an enemy. Nehemiah is trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, but the enemy wants to defend its territory. Every time you start pushing forward, the enemy is going to rise up and start to attack. And that's why many of you have experienced attacks at the beginning of a new ministry. You've experienced attacks at the beginning of a new job or the new phase of a, of a relationship in your life. And some of you are experiencing an attack right now because you're finally experiencing the freedom of Christ to break free from the sin that has kept you bound for so long. But you're under attack, and the reason you're under attack is because you're taking territory that once was occupied by the enemy. So I want to tell Christians, because we're notorious for this, we come under attack, and we begin to run. We start to retreat. Can I encourage your faith today? Instead of getting scared and retreating at the first sign of conflict, recall what your Savior said in John 16. I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart. Take courage. Don't be afraid. I have overcome the world. I need somebody to take 10 seconds right now and rejoice that your Savior will give you the courage to overcome when you occupy this new territory. What we see is Jesus is starting his ministry. And at the start of his ministry, Satan attacks. He attacks the, be the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And, and specifically, what does he attack? The same thing he does with us. He attacks not Jesus' ministry. He attacks Jesus' identity. If you are really a child of God, if you really are a child, I know some of you hearing this all the time, if you really are a child of God, then why are you acting like that? If you really are a child of God, then, 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 then why aren't you praying more? 
If you really are a child of God, then, then how come pastor hasn't promoted you yet? If you really are a child of God, then why are you still struggling? Why are you still sinning? Why are you still falling short? If you really are a son of God. And I love what Jesus is like. Jesus is like, all right, listen, Satan. Just because you met me out here in the wilderness doesn't mean I'm lost. I was led into the wilderness. The Spirit of God brought me here. I was led. Can I tell you, those of you who feel like God is leading you places you don't want to go? Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God, check it out, are children of God. Maybe you don't want to go there, but the Father's got a purpose for you going where he's leading. So devil, I knew who I was before you came and tried to get me to do all these tricks. I knew who I was before you came and tried to tempt me against God's will. I knew who I was the moment I came up out of that water when I was baptized and the father said, this is my beloved son. Listen to me. You will never have to prove who you are when you know whose you are. Can I help a generation that feels the need to constantly prove themselves? You've got to prove yourself. And this is why you've got like three or four different Instagrams, social media accounts, because you're trying to prove who you are. But you will never have to prove anything when you know whose. When I'm seeking for his approval, I've got nothing to prove to you. When I'm looking to please the Father, it might upset you, but I'm not seeking your approval. Oh, thank you. Hey man, for the three of you that got that, hey man, you're, you're gonna live a you're gonna live a happy week. Satan attacks at the beginning. Second thing I want to tell you is this, because he doesn't fight fair. Satan often attacks when we're weak. Come on, he attacks you when you're alone. He attacks you when you're discouraged. He attacks you when you're sitting isolated in those thoughts. When you're sitting segregated in that pain and sorrow. He attacks you when you're sick and, and people will start texting you for like the first week, but you stay sick longer than a week. People tend to forget about you. And now he starts attacking you because you're afflicted and forgotten. He, start, he starts attacking you when you stop going to church. There's pastor always trying to plug church. I'm here, pastor, aren't I? Well, I hope I see you next week and the week after that and every week till Jesus comes back. Because when you're not, can I get an amen for the people who have been out of church any length of time? You're like, man, I feel really weak right now. And I feel really under attack. Anybody been there before? Thank, thank you to the, the handful of honest people in the room. The rest of y'all have clearly never missed church. For those of us who have been out of church any length of time, we can feel the void. We can feel the emptiness. We can feel the weakness. That comes from being apart from God. And listen to me. The reason Satan's attacked in these moments when you're alone and when, when you're sick and, and when you're feeling discouraged and oppressed is because that's when you are most vulnerable. This is why Peter taught us in 1 Peter 5, 8. He tells us to be sober, to be vigilant, to stay alert because your adversary, the devil, is literally prowling around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour I've shared this so many times before, but I pray you understand if you haven't ever watched the Animal Channel, you know how, how lions hunt. Lion, prowling lions are always, 
They're, they don't look for the strongest animal in the herd. They're always looking for the weakest animal. They're always looking for the sickest animal. They're always looking for the most isolated, independent, segregated, separated, all by itself, because that is the one that's most vulnerable to be attacked. But the Holy Spirit just wants me to remind somebody here today. If you're going through something, you're not the only one going through it. Can I get an amen? Because you've been hearing that lie long enough. You're the only one experiencing this. You're the only one going through this. You're the only one suffering through this temptation. You're the only one struggling through this trial. You're the only one that, that has these, these sinful thoughts and these, and these sinful habits. You're all by yourself. And it's easy to start believing that you're the only one going through this. But I need you to know, Satan is an equal opportunity attacker. He will attack you when you're weak. And he will attack you when you're strong. And the reason he will attack you when you're strong it's because he's trying to make the strong weak. But I came to declare what Peter said in the very next verse. Stay firm. Stand firm. Stand strong against Satan. And be strong in your faith. And remember, listen to me. Your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Would you gently shake somebody next to you and just remind them, stand firm. You are not alone in this. You're not going through this alone. I'm the only one that isn't married. Take a look around the room. Because some people are married and they wish they were just like you. Uh, uh, I'm, the, I'm the only one experiencing this kind of, of, of loss and sorrow. Just live a little. And you will see that so many of the people are going through the same exact thing. What I'm trying to do is highlight how Satan doesn't fight fair. He makes you believe you're the only one. The word of God tells me, even if I am the only one, I'm going to keep standing firm. I'm, I'm going to continue to keep my faith in the Lord. That's what Satan does, specifically in this text of Luke 4, is he attacks Jesus. Notice when he attacks him. After 40 days of fasting, I, I, I am convinced that Satan waited until Jesus was starving, famished, and weak physically. From hunger. Jesus' stomach was empty. So what does Satan do? He aims for the emptiness. He's always targeting the emptiness. Can I ask you today, where are you empty? Because that area of your life where you are empty is, is that area where you are, you're hungry for some kind of attention. You're craving some kind of success. Where you're, wherever you're empty, you're longing for some kind of, of intimacy. So Satan will target where you are empty and, and he will try on you what he tried on Jesus. Let, let me just exploit your emptiness. Turn these, turn these stones into bread because you're starving, because you're hungry. So, so let me exploit your emptiness and let me, Satan will try to encourage you to take matters into your own hands. Come on, Jesus, you haven't eaten in 40 days. You are famished at this point in time. So why wait on God? You can do this all by yourself. Take matters into your own hands and turn these stones into bread. But I need to remind you, Jesus modeled for us what we need to do in our weak moments. We need to bring our weak moments to God long before Satan ever brings our weak moments to us. The, the reason that Jesus can hear Satan say, 
hey, you're starving, so turn these stones into bread. I love how he says it in Matthew's account. Matthew 4, 4. He, he says back to Satan, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but we're going to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I came to serve notice on the devil. Listen to me, Satan. I, I hear your lies. I hear your deception, but I believe what God has said. It is written. Now listen to me. Satan doesn't mind you being here around the word as long as the word doesn't get inside of you. Satan doesn't mind you being overweight, baby, as long as you don't get so full of the word of God that at the end of the day, what comes out of your mouth is the truth of what God has promised you. I came to tell you just like Jesus, if you are, if you are feeling spiritually, physically weak and frail, if you're feeling beat down, then you need to make up your mind. Clearly, what I've got isn't enough. But if I choose to live every day on the word of God, if I choose every day, this is how Satan is overcome. This is how his strategies are unraveled. When you make up your mind, every day I will live on dependence of the word of God. Come January when I say let's go on another 21-day fast, and you're like, oh, crap. I will remind you, you don't live on bread alone. In fact, you never overcome Satan by anything you stick in your mouth. You overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I live every day. Not by what I eat. Physically. Because whether you know it or not, you can actually go a couple days. Don't do it, Pastor. Please don't. Don't call for a fast. Please don't. You can live without bread. But if you want to overcome Satan, you can't live without every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let me hear from the men and women that realize this is my daily bread. Amen. Satan doesn't fight fair. Guess what else he does? He will attack what we know, and he will attack what we don't know. Is not fight fair? Verse 10 basically shows us, I don't know, Tiana, if it's possible to go back and show them Luke uh, 4, 10 or not, but I, uh, thank you. Here he is. Here's Satan. For the scriptures say, I've actually heard it suggested that no one knows the scriptures like Satan knows. He was, he was around before we were created. He's, he's had thousands of years to study this book. He knows the word of God. And here's what he does. He says, for the scriptures say, and Rev, can, can I point out that, that he's also cherry picking out of Psalms 91 here. And, and he says this, he says, it is written, he will order his angels to protect and guard you. That's it? That's it. Jump. Go ahead and jump because he will order his angels to protect you. Ah, oh, you, you cherry-picking lion devil. Because what he's, basically what he's doing is he's questioning Jesus. And he's, and he's saying this, Jesus, the Bible says it. Don't you believe what your Bible says? Oh, just 
He, he, he isolates this one section, these two verses really. He isolates them and he says, don't you believe what your Bible says? And can I tell you, of course Jesus believes what the Bible says. But he doesn't just believe two verses out of Psalms 91. Jesus believes all 31,102 verses across 100, or excuse me, 1,189 chapters in 88 different books. Where are the people that agree with Jesus? If God said it, I don't just believe some of it. I believe all of it. I believe what he said. I hold to what he said. However, you must know this. Because Satan knows scripture, he will purposely misinterpret those scriptures. Oh. I told you last week, anytime he starts talking, he's already lying. So even though he's quoting the scripture, he is purposely misrepresenting and, and misinterpreting the scripture. This is why he says stuff to you like, why tithe? God knows you've got bills to pay. This is why he says stuff like this to you. He says, why go to church today? God knows you need a little extra rest. Well, then get it on Saturday. He'll, he, he will say something like this to you. He'll say, so you've broken a few commandments. So what? At least you're not a murderer, maybe. But God knows you're a good person. And if anything, God knows you're better than sister so-and-so over there. This is the kind of stuff Satan throws at us. And this is, this is how he rolls. Always misquoting God's word. Always mishandling God's word. Always manipulating and miscontextualizing God's word. And if we're not careful and we start believing, Satan will then weaponize this word against our very lives. So aren't you glad? That your Savior had enough spiritual sense to look back at the devil and say, God didn't say that. Just because some preacher said that God said it, doesn't mean that God said it. Just because your therapist said that God said it, doesn't mean that God said it. Just because some social media influencer who has thousands of videos out there said this is what God said, does not mean that God said it. And the reason right now some of you are operating in self-destructive behaviors and self-destructive patterns is because you believe some TikToker when he said, this is what God said, when you need to know what God said for yourself. See, when you do battle with Satan, you can hear him misquote scripture, but then you need to act like Jesus and come back at Satan and tell him, this also is what the word of God said. And Jesus was able to defeat Satan, not just by using scripture, but by rightly dividing the word of truth and using scripture correctly. Can I prophesy to this generation? Don't just hear me preach it. Get it in your heart so when the enemy comes against you, you can rightly use correctly use the word of God. Ooh, dare I say, we need to stop weaponizing this word against people and instead use this word to help cut off every ungodly thing in their life. Isn't that what you do every week, Pastor? Yes, as the sword of the Spirit, I use it to bring truth to your understanding. I don't condemn you. I don't judge you. I don't damn you to hell. I am trying to help you at the end of the day realizing, don't just take my word for it. Know it for yourself. Can I get an amen from some men and women who want, to, want the enemy to know in these last days?
I'm going to know it for myself. Fourth thing I want to tell you is this, because I know Satan doesn't write fair. He will attack your assignment. And you know what he usually does it? In church. He will especially come for your assignment right here in church. I want you to think about it like this, okay? That third temptation. Where did that third temptation take place? It says that Satan took him to Jerusalem, to the top of the temple. That, that temptation took place in church, right there, in the presence of God. And, and of all the places that Satan's are going to try to urge you to do tricks, of all the places Satan's going to try to, to tempt you to impress other people, of all the places that Satan's going to try to, to urge you to, to use your, your, your anointing and use your, your, your good works to draw attention to yourself. Of all the places Satan's going to try to get you to, to look at me, notice me, here I am. The temptation happens in church. But can I remind you, God didn't call any of us to be superstars. God calls us to be sons and daughters. And as sons and daughters, we are called to serve the will of the Father. Let me hear from the men and women who are just, just, just tired of, of looking for superstar status. And they just want to be known as a son, as a daughter. Of the, they just want, when people look at you, you just want people to know, I'm here to serve the will of God. Somebody just take a moment right now. If you know who you are as a son, if you know who you are as a daughter, then put your hands together and say, thank you, Lord. And can you get a little louder if you know you did nothing about earning that position, but you're thankful for the grace of God that he called you out from your sin and now calls you a son. Put your hands together and let God know, I'm grateful. I did nothing to earn it. But it's by your grace alone I am saved. This is why Peter said in 1 Peter 5, he said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, I want to tell somebody who's hoping you will get noticed and hoping you will be seen. God is letting you know, humble yourself because at the right time, he will lift you up. Men and women, if you came today not to strut, but you came to serve, put your hands together. And let God know, I'm here on assignment. I'm not here to be acknowledged. I'm on assignment. I'm not here to be pointed out and elevated. I'm here to kneel and serve. I've watched this verse fulfill itself time and time again. Unfortunately, Sister Nancy, what I've typically seen, people so proud. They get no grace at all. That's why they keep demanding, see me, notice me. What about me? Grace is only given to the humble. So Satan will attack your assignment right here in church. And he tells Jesus, he says, jump. God's got you. Jump. But Jesus says, nah. Nah, 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 nah. And listen to me, it's not because God can't catch. It's not because God wouldn't catch. Jesus refused to jump because he knew, I've got nothing to prove to you, Satan. Let me say it again. Because in the end, you're not getting my attention. You're always gaining the attention of the enemy. He's always looking for those men and women that are, what about me? Notice me. Hello, over here. 
You've got his attention. And Jesus wants to remind you, you have nothing to prove to your enemy. Come on, somebody. I, I, I feel like I, I just want to help somebody here today. Instead of feeling like you've got to prove anything to me or anyone else in this room, how about instead of trying to test God, you just start trusting God. I'm not going to jump. I'm going to trust God that he'll get me where I'm supposed to go in the right time. I mean, because think about it. Think about it. If you didn't know this, the reason why Satan will always try to, try to persuade you is because Satan cannot push you. He took Jesus to the edge uh, of the temple, but he can't push Jesus. So he tries to persuade Jesus. And the same trick that he uses on Jesus is to appeal to what we have, our human need for acceptance. We all have the same inner drive. And so he, he says it to Jesus. He says, go ahead and jump. Because he was, he was literally sending his angels to, to guard you, to protect you. He's, he's basically telling Jesus, look, you are 30 years old now. What do you have to show for it? What have you accomplished? Why don't you do something spectacular? Why don't you do something sensational? And then everybody will see it and everybody will accept you. So he says, go ahead and jump. Could you imagine what it's like, Jesus? You start floating down from the top of a temple with an angel escort all the way down. And the people are like, ooh and ah. And they start clapping and applauding. Now you will get what you came for, the acceptance of the people. Isn't that why you showed up anyway? So go ahead and just test God. In fact, what Satan's really trying to tell Jesus is why wait for God to work for you? Make God, why, make God work for you. Don't wait. Make God work for you. And Jesus is like, ah, nah, devil. That's not how it works. I'm not here to serve my own will. When he was, literally when he was tempted in the garden to give up, he said, no, not my will, but your will be done. I want to tell people in 2023, Jesus model for you and me what we need to know it is always better to be in God's plan than to be accepted by man any day of the week so they don't accept you but at least you're in God's plan so there's no fanfare and applause there's nobody kissing your ring and saying how awesome you are at least you're still in God's plan Satan attacks the assignment right there in church. Trying to get me, trying to get every one of us to believe. The only way you're going to be seen and noticed, you start making some noise. You start letting everyone know what you can do. You start stepping on top of other people who are currently doing it to show us you can do it better. And I get it, that's how it works in the world. But in the kingdom, the only one who's ever going to be seen is the one who sits on the throne. I need somebody to, to help me declare to that spirit, that spirit of pride. It's always trying to stand out. The only one deserving of the throne is the one who will reign forever and ever. Am I doing okay? Are we sure? I'm feeling a lot of pride coming back at me right now. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm just trying to help you get what you need today. Grace, the grace of God is what you need today. Because Satan doesn't fight fair. Not only does he attack our assignment in church, here's the, here's the last thing I have for you. He will attack your very motive for serving. So you'll settle for a shortcut. He's hitting Jesus with the what, why, why go through what you're about to go through? Why suffer? 
Why be rejected by the people you came to die for? Why be beaten and hung on a tree like a criminal? Why allow them to take your life? Why not take a shortcut? If if you will just bow down and worship me, if you will just serve me, Satan says, I can help you get what you want. I won't even start to name some of your favorite artists right now who have sold their soul to the devil. And, he, and, and they worship and serve him. And he has helped them rise to the top. He has given them millions, if not billions, of followers. I won't even call them by name because you already know because you'll be liking their stuff all the time. Yeah, singing their songs. Not even realizing. How did they get here? How did this happen? I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm not saying they haven't been given a God-given gift. I'm saying, how did this happen? How did they get here? Maybe, just maybe, our ultimate ambition, and if your ultimate ambition isn't to serve God, how can God use you for his glory? When your ultimate ambition is to glorify God, you are being led by the Spirit of God. But when your ultimate ambition is to serve yourself, you are being used by the devil. They're lifting their hands to, to your music and they're, and they're talking about your movies and, 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 and your accomplishments and they're giving you the highest praise. But who got you there? And in the end, are they really chanting your name? Are they really worshiping your accomplishments? Or do they not even realize they are bowing their knee to the one who got you there? Now, maybe this doesn't register with most of you because you, you could care less about celebrities. You could care less about being famous or stardom or being wealthy. Maybe, maybe that doesn't matter. But I have watched plenty of Christians bow their knee. Had God-given anointing, God-given talents, God-given ministries, and they bowed their knee to the God of this world. And you know what they got in return? They got fame, and they got fortune, and they got open doors. And you know what they're doing right now? They're not profiting a thing. Because they've gained the whole world but lost their soul. Satan tells Jesus, says, look, if you will just worship me, I will help you rise to the top. And aren't you glad that your Savior said, no, I'm not going to take a shortcut. And because Jesus refused to take a shortcut, this is why he could say after his passion and after the beating and after the crown of thorns and after his back was ripped open with 39 stripes and after he was beaten and beard pulled out of his face and spit upon and mocked and crucified on a tree and then buried in a tomb but resurrected three days later and on his way up to the Father as he ascends back to heaven, he just wants them to know because I didn't take a shortcut... Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. Because I didn't take a shortcut, because I did it God's way, everything I came for has been given to me. And I need you to know here today, the only thing Satan has ever wanted is to take God's place. But can, can, I, can I tell the devil today, I've got news for you, devil. 
God is not moving. Satan is still coveting God's throne, but God will never abdicate his throne. Satan is still hoping you will quit on God and join his side. But I came to remind you, God will never quit on you. Somebody put your hands together and help me declare over this generation. Instead of taking shortcuts, we're going to submit and surrender to the will of God for our life. And in fact, instead of taking shortcuts, somebody help me tell Satan what Jesus told him in Matthew 4.10. He said, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. We're the true sons and daughters of God that know you are here not to be seen. You are here to serve the will of God. Come on, put your hands together and let the devil know. I know my assignments. I know my purpose. I know who I am. If you will, if you will, if you don't mind, just stand your feet with me as I'm close up here. Satan doesn't fight fair. You know what I've learned? The reason Satan doesn't take you head on is because he can never win in a fair fight. He can't. Because if, if he, he met you head on, some of you would get to pray like you've never prayed before. Come on, somebody. You would start confessing everything and getting right with God right away, right? And then you'd put on the full armor of God and, and you grab your Bible and you're like, yeah, 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 whatever, okay? But, but Satan will never come head on. He learned with Jesus, it don't work. It don't work. So what he does instead is he becomes that schoolyard bully, right? That, that's throwing his taunts and his intimidations. He's, he's the Goliath standing out there who looks big and mighty and loud and boisterous. But if you remember the story, the big, loud, obnoxious, intimidating bully gets taken down by a teenager, by someone who just trusted in the Lord. So here he is, showing up trying to intimidate us, try, trying to, to, to force us into doubting God and, and quitting on God and, and worrying, will God come through? I've showed this video before, but actually this is the most recent version of this. And I love this because Satan reminds me of, of the New Zealand basketball team. Anyone ever, ever seen like the New Zealand, the national team do anything at all? Whether it be uh, rugby or, or um, uh, whether it be basketball or any other kind of sport they participate in. They have this dance called the haka. They always do it before every single match. Show them that video real quick, Tiana, because... So here's the haka. I'm just going to turn it over to the Tall Blacks. To the... To the U.S. men's uh, basketball team this past summer. intimidating the enemy gets you're on the better team Tiana show them that final score because it doesn't matter what they come at you with 
you know you're on the better team I'm better equipped I'm, I've got the full armor of God I've got the word of God not only that I've got the angels on my side not only that I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost I've got the Spirit of God inside me I'm better equipped to beat my enemy and devil, I don't care how intimidating you get, you are still a defeated foe. And I want to declare to you today, let devil, let him get loud. It doesn't matter because the final score says you win. We win. Thanks be unto God who always gives us victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Put your hands together today and declare with me. I feel like... I feel like I, part of the reason I love doing these kind of series is because I love calling Satan's bluff. Not that you have to admit this, but poker players in the room, you don't have to raise your hand. But if you're playing poker and you know you've got the better hand, but your opponent won't fold. Because I know you're bluffing. I, I know it. I already see what's on the table. I know you're bluffing. And I know what I hold in my hands. This is the winning hand. Would you help me just for a moment with our eyes closed and our hands raised? Would you help me call out Satan's bluffs in your life? Because I know you've been believing some lies. You're getting beat down by these lies. You're getting twisted and manipulated. With your hand raised, would you just help me say, nah, Father, no more. I'm calling out Satan's bluff today. Because I am a child of God. I have a calling and a purpose. There is a plan for my life. That's why I'm still living and breathing. I'm here. And what you started in me, Lord, even if the enemy attacks me at the beginning, what you started in me, you will complete it until the day of Christ's return. So instead of believing the bluff, can we put our faith in the Most High God and just say, Lord, I trust what you are speaking over my life. I, tr I trust, I believe what you've told me. I believe I am a son or I am a daughter. I believe what you say, Satan, you're a bluffer. I don't believe your lies anymore. I don't believe I'm inadequate. I don't believe I'll never be enough. I don't believe I'll always be alone. I don't believe I'm the only one going through this. I, I call out your bluff. And instead, I put my faith and trust in the Word of God. And the men and women from this point forward that have made up your mind, I'm going to know this Word for myself. I refuse just to take my pastor's word for it. I'm going to know it for myself. I refuse to believe what I see on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. I'm going to know it for myself. I'm not saying there's bad things out there. I'm just simply saying Satan can't deceive you when you know it for yourself. Calling out Satan's bluff. Hear me in your spirit. The Bible says that Satan was once known as the morning star. But Jesus is forever known as the bright and morning star. Satan once was known as the angel of light. But Jesus is the light of the world. Satan was once known as 
a son of God, but Jesus is the only begotten son of the Father. Satan was once known as an anointed cherubim, but Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one. Satan was once known as a roaring lion, but Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he will conquer and prevail. Satan is known as the prince of this world, but Jesus is known as the king of kings and Lord of lords. Satan was once praise and worship leader in heaven, but Jesus says this in Hebrews chapter 12, in the midst of my brothers and sisters, I will sing your praises, oh God. Would somebody help me lift your voice along with our Savior and praise our great God who has lifted Jesus and elevated Jesus above every other name, above every principality, above everything to come and everything that was. Jesus is above it all.